Hello and welcome to the Summit Church Podcast. Our messages are designed to help teach and equip you on your journey to lead people to follow Christ. We hope that this message will inspire and encourage you no matter where you are in your journey towards Jesus. If you have questions, want to talk, or want to learn more about Summit, visit us at summitniles.com. Take your Bibles with me this morning and turn to the New Testament book of Luke. Chapter 24 is our text for this morning where we'll start while you're finding the New Testament book of Luke, chapter 24. Let me introduce uh, a couple of people to you. First, um, John McDonald, where are you at? Come on, join me, John, uh, is here this morning. Uh, he is part of our worship team, so you've already seen him this morning. But John is also uh, on our team as a ministry assistant. He is uh, retired and couldn't take it, right? Um, and Sue, so Sue couldn't take it. <laughs> and um, we have uh, asked John to, to join our staff. He, he is serving um, in the area of finance. So he's, he's handling um, what he's been doing uh, for much of his life in the area of finance, and, but he is, he is uh, taking a responsibility there. Uh, Nicole, who had been doing that, is able to focus on some other things, so we're glad to have John with us. Would you help me welcome John McDonald? Johnny, welcome. Love you. I also uh, want to introduce one more person to you, um, Terry Prince. She is serving uh, this morning in uh, Summit Kids, but... Terry is a part of our staff, ministry assistant. She, um, one of the things that we, um, we want to be good stewards, we need good policies and procedures in place. And so the people that handle money coming in and the people that handle money going out are different people. And Terry is a part of uh, our ministry staff, she's a ministry assistant, who uh, is, is responsible for, for um, the, the, the money that is coming in, and she makes sure it gets deposited and, and carefully taken care of, and that uh, people are um, receipted for that when they, you know, as they need that. She's a part of that intake part, and she's been serving here for several weeks. She's, she's serving this morning uh, in Summit Kids, but she's also a part of our team. Welcome her as you um, have opportunities. John McDonald then is part of the team that is responsible for um, the, the, the payment out. And so there are those safeguards that are in place. Uh, I'm grateful for the team of people that we, we have and uh, many people who are, are serving uh, part-time, um, able to uh, use the gifts that they have. Um, and some of those gifts have been used um, over, the, over the years in, in significant ways in the marketplace and now are able to be used in the kingdom as well. So grateful for that. The Walk It Out Guide is that tool that we've been using in these weeks to help us walk out our faith. It's not too late to pick up a copy of that and to jump in if you haven't done that already. In the uh, gathering area, those are available to you. It helps us to walk out our faith. Um, in the coming weeks, you will simply see a passage of Scripture that we're all reading together. You'll see a memory verse that we're working on together. You'll see a, 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 a short um, devotional thought 
uh, for that week that will help encourage you uh, along the way. There's, there's opportunities uh, to engage in, in, fat, in a fast. So we talked about that early on in, in the year, about um, uh, how we could be obedient to God's Word. Scripture says when you fast. It doesn't just say if you fast. It says when you fast. And there's multiple ways to do that. There's examples of that in that guide. Hope that you're um, using that as we all join together. Grow 2023, Pastor Bradley mentioned that earlier this morning, seeking God's Holy Spirit together. There's still some volunteers that are needed for that in uh, Summit Kids, so I want to encourage you to um, volunteer for that. We're going to be um, recording, videoing those, videotaping those services. You'll be, you won't miss anything, but we need um, some people to help serve. One more chance um, to come to pray together corporately. Monday night we met here and simply bowed our hearts and our knees and sought God on behalf of, uh, of our church. In fact, the chair that you're sitting in this morning was prayed over. Someone prayed for you, um, trusting that God would speak to you in these days. But there's one more chance, uh, this coming Saturday night at 5 o'clock. Anyone who wants to join us here in the worship center, you're welcome to come and, and simply to pray Saturday night uh, before uh, the service on Sunday morning, Grow 23. So encourage you to be, to be a part of that. In these days, it is our intent to know the person and the power of God's Holy Spirit. And I felt both the obligation and the opportunity to share with you in these past weeks and today. Um, truth that you need to know that will help you live a victorious Christian life. We need to understand the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. Too many times our lack of understanding of the person and the power of the Holy Spirit is what hinders our walk of faith. It's what is at the heart of Grow 2023, to know the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. The deacon uh, the Beacon Dictionary of Theology says this, the Spirit of the Lord is the mysterious power of God. And yet, we want it to be made known to us. It's the mode of God's activity. You want to understand what God is doing in the world today. When you understand the person and the power of God's Holy Spirit, you begin to understand what God is doing in our world. Not only what He's doing in the world, but what He's doing in your life. It is God's dynamic presence with us. Last week we learned that God's Word tells us that we should be filled with the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 5. And the question is, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? We understand from Scripture it's a command to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not optional. It's imperative. Every Christian needs to be filled with the Spirit. Our obedience demands it. Being filled with the Spirit is, is not a one-time event. It's continual. It starts. It continues. Rather, the idea of continual action. Keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Be under constant control of the Holy Spirit. Always yield to Him. 
Scripture doesn't say, go fill yourself up. It says, be filled with the Spirit. You can't fill yourself up. You invite the Spirit of God to, to fill you. He, he, he comes um, to fill you. We're going to talk. We're going to push on from that even this morning. We learned that being filled with the Spirit is for each one of us, every Christian. Every Christian is commanded to be filled with the Spirit. If you aren't filled with the Spirit of God, you're out of God's will for your life. Today we're going to be talking about the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Let me just stop long enough to remind you of Ephesians 5. Remember it says, don't be drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery. It says, instead be filled with the Spirit. I want you to see the contrast. I want, to, I want you to see the comparison. First of all, the contrast. Being filled with the Spirit, he's, you know, as, as, as contrasted to being drunk with wine. Um, wine could control you, right? Um, there's a contrast. Don't be filled with wine, he says, but instead be filled with the Spirit. There's a contrast there. Um, Whatever fills you will control you. Now, here's, here's the other thing. I want you to see the comparison. It's interesting. Just is this, when you think about um, wine or a person who is under the influence of alcohol, for some, um, they get happy. <laughs> for some, they get really happy. For some, they get mean. For some, um, they get really quiet. I guess when I see that comparison, it, it reminds me that the filling of God's Spirit, um, the experience of that is, is not universal. It's not that you have to have a certain experience in a certain way, depending on personality, depending on uh, several different things. The comparison there, there's, there's different ways that the Spirit of God um, leads people to respond. But today I want to talk about some things that are that are universal. A person who is living their life under the anointing of God's Holy Spirit, there are some distinguishing marks um, that are intended. We're talking about the anointing of the Spirit. God considered the anointing of the Holy Spirit to be something of paramount importance. Jesus commanded His disciples that they should stay in Jerusalem until you have been clothed with power from on high. Look at Luke his gospel, 24, chapter 24, and notice verse 49. Here's what it says. Now, remember, Jesus, this is after the resurrection. The, the spirit that was in Christ, that raised him from the dead, that is also available to us today. He's risen. He's a risen Savior. And they're talking to Jesus. Jesus reveals himself. He stands among them. Um, he has revealed himself to, to numerous people. This is after the resurrection. But now notice in verse 49, he's, he's talking to his disciples. He told them, this is what is written, the Messiah will suffer, rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And then watch this. He said, I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in this city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Jesus told his disciples to wait for the promised Holy Spirit. If you turn to Acts chapter 1, notice verses 4 and 5. Here Jesus is talking again. On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. 
He said, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. So Luke has recorded it in his gospel. The book of Acts records it. Again, that John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. In fact, there was no intention of having the disciples go on throughout their life, minister in his name, without this power. There was no, God never intended for his disciples to, to, to minister in his name without the power of the Holy Spirit. They were told to wait to minister until they were anointed with the Holy Spirit. Jesus knew they needed the anointing, and he knew how important it was. And here's how important Jesus considered in Acts 10, verse 38. It says, You know what has happened throughout the province of Asia, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, and how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. So here's, here is Jesus who is um, being baptized by John the Baptist, and, and remember that um, in, in the form of a dove, the Spirit of God uh, descended, and, 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 and the anointing of the Spirit is on Christ. And how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. And Luke chapter 3, verse 21 and following records this event. While the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was open, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased." the importance of the anointing of God's Holy Spirit in our life. I want you to turn back to Luke chapter 4. In fact, just turn back in your Bibles to Luke 4. I want you to, I want you to see this and just follow along. Now, in Luke chapter 4, notice verse 1, the importance of being full of the Spirit of God, being filled with the Spirit of God, the importance of the anointing of God's Holy Spirit. Luke chapter 4, notice verse 1, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. You see that? Jump down to verse 14. And Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in the synagogues, and everyone praised him. You see that Jesus, even at the, the beginning of his public ministry, the, the, the witness, the evidence, the anointing of God's Holy Spirit on the life of Christ. Look at verse 18. And here he's reading from the scroll. Verse 18, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Go down to verse 32. They were amazed at his teaching because his words had authority. In verse 33, and in the synagogue there was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit. He cried out at the top of his voice, Go away! What? Do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Isn't it amazing that even the demons know and recognize 
Christ and the Spirit of His, uh, and, and, and the Holy Spirit in Christ. You said, You've come to destroy us. I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of Him. By the way, <clears throat> this same. This same Holy Spirit that was in Christ and now he's doing public ministry lives within you. You don't need to be afraid. You don't need to run from the evil one. Any of his fallen angels, you know, demons, principalities, powers, rulers of this dark age. As a believer in Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God living within you being uh, baptized not only with water for forgiveness of sins, but by the Spirit of God, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. You, you just simply have the opportunity to stand and say to all, of, all that oppose you, all those demons, all that demonic, you say, listen, be quiet. Be quiet. Jesus said it sternly. Come out of him. And the demon threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring him. And all the people were amazed and said to each other, what words these are. With authority and power, he gives orders to impure spirits, and they come out. And the news about him spread throughout the surrounding area. Watch this. Jesus did not carry on his mighty ministry in, in the power of the second person of the Trinity alone, but also under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Here is Christ, baptized in the Holy Spirit. Here he comes. That Holy Spirit is available to anoint us for ministry today. It is the anointing, if it was, anoint, it was necessary for, for, the, for, for Christ, the, the filling, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, how much more for us today? And thank God we have with us the one who Jesus had with him. Now think about it. God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit. Here's the question. God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit. Here's the question. Has God anointed you with the Holy Spirit? God's anointing is for you if you're a believer, a follower of Christ. The problem is not whether or not God wants to anoint you. That's not the problem at all. The problem is finding people who are willing to be anointed, who are willing to pay the price, who are willing um, to, to say, I'm making room for your Holy Spirit in my life. One writer I love and respects, and respect much, respect greatly, said it this way. In justification, we are recipients of God's grace that makes us holy and righteous through faith in Christ alone. You see, the penalty of sin was paid. The justice of God is satisfied. Positionally, we are complete. We are right with God, declared holy. In justification, we're recipients of God's grace. In sanctification, we are participants in God's grace as we bring our behavior in line with our belief in our identity in Christ. When we move from being merely a recipient to being a participant, <laughs> the filling, the anointing of God's Holy Spirit enables us to do all that he's called us to do. With the anointing of God in your life, your ministry will read like a page out of the book of Acts. They, they, they didn't merely stumble on the blessing of God. They met God, God in them. 
And God anointed their lives with power from on high to live and to love and to serve and to be the people of God on earth with the power of God in them. So how can I experience the power of God in my life? Well, you must be a believer. Remember what I have said to you several times is what we give to God, He takes. What He takes, He cleanses. What He cleanses, He fills. What He fills, He uses. So how, how, how am I to, to recognize and realize how to become a participant in, in the work of God's Holy Spirit in my life, in and through me? First of all, you have to be, you have to be saved. You, 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 you must be a believer. You confess your sin, and you confess your sins. Do you know that we're guilty of sin? And we're guilty of sins. You and I can list, you and I can list sins. There's, there's a lot of lists of, of sins in Scripture, things that Scripture says, if you do these things, you shouldn't expect to inherit eternal life. There's sins. But the sin that we're guilty of, this enmity toward God, this separation, because we, in one man, Adam, we all were guilty of sin because of that great fall. Um, we are guilty of the sin of being separated from God. And then we're on top of that, not only were we born sinners, we made good on the deal, right? We're guilty of our own sins. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There are none that are righteous. No, not one. And we also know that the wages of sin is death. But thanks be to God that even while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And the Spirit of God has come to live within us. Now watch this. You, you must be a believer. You confess your sins. You repent. And you seek the anointing of God um, uh, in your life. Seeking the anointing of God prior to being saved is an act of futility. It's crucial. You must be right with God. And then there's what, what, is, what is needed for the anointing. These are things I'm going to urge you to remember as we boldly approach the throne of grace for God's anointing and the Holy Spirit in these days. I want to remind you of some things. First of all, I want to, I want to show you um, from Scripture some things that are crucial to our understanding of, of the anointing of God's Spirit. How do, I, how do I put myself under the spigot of God's Spirit that would just fill me and continue to fill me and, and, and live in me and live through me? First of all... Um, let me use these words. Desire. If you want the anointing of God, there is a desire and a thirst that you have. Isaiah reminds us, Isaiah 44, verse 3, for he's watch this. I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. Watch this. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessings on your descendants. When there's a thirst, when there's a desire to have the Spirit of God living within you. Now, here's what, I, what I've often experienced. It's been, it was my experience. doesn't mean it's your experience. But I've noticed this in the lives of many, many Christians over the years, that they accept Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And, and, and the Spirit of God comes to live within. They are recipients of God's grace. He is resident within them. They're not yet participants. He's not yet president. And what happens is in life, there's time, there's, there, there are... You know, you can think about this theologically, you can think about this experientially, but oftentimes 
experientially, what happens is people are saved, and then there's this process of, of living out their faith. Paul identified like this. He said, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I find myself doing. What a wretched man I am. Fully a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ, a called one, a proclaimer, an apostle. And yet there was this dying daily that was a part of his life. And many times as we begin to grow in grace, and our faith begins to take root, and now we're not just recipients, but we're participants, and we're working, God is working out our faith in fear and trembling, and God begins to speak to us. And, and there's this tendency sometimes to say, listen, I'm doing all right. I, I'm saved. Thank God I'm not what I was. You know, um, I'm doing pretty good. And pretty soon you realize, listen, if the power is up to me, if life change is up to me, if getting this right is up to me, I'm going to fail miserably. And so you say, God, there's got to be something. I, I need something that, that, that you can do for me. I need, the, I need that power. I, I need the power to, to live. I need that power for, for witness. I need that power to live. You see, there's a desire and a thirst to say, God, I, I can't live this way any longer. I, I'm going I'm to miss the mark forever. As long as you are satisfied with your present condition, God will not give you anything more. There's a hunger, there's a thirst, there's a desire. Matthew 5, verse 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. They will be filled. Self-sufficiency is the great obstacle to the anointing of God's Holy Spirit. What do you want? What do you want? The world chases all over for all kinds of things. Do you want the power from on high, the power of the Holy Spirit? Then you desire and thirst for, your whole, for the Holy Spirit. It will be real. Here's another thing about the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Not only is there desire and thirst... But we see example in Scripture and in history and in our own lives of earnest prayer. Earnest prayer. The Bible says the apostles were in Jerusalem waiting for the promised Holy Spirit. Watch what they were doing. Look at this, Acts 1. Just jump back to, to Acts chapter 1. Acts 1. <clears throat> Jesus has told them to wait in Jerusalem. Notice, notice this in verse 12. The apostles, they returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, the Sabbath day's walk from the city. Now watch this. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. That's not Judas Iscariot. That was Judas, son of James. And they were all joined together constantly in prayer. Do you see it? Am I making it up? Are you reading it? And they were joined together in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. They joined together constantly in prayer. But one of the actions of the apostles was that they were willing to spend time in prayer, seeking God. As a result, they experienced the anointing of the Holy Spirit. 
Can I tell you, I have never witnessed a person whose life was filled and anointed with the power of God, the Holy Spirit, unless they had spent time in prayer. I have never seen it. Could possibly be, I've never seen it. Earnest prayer. The world has to be left outside in order for God to fill the inside. We are so busy doing so many things that we don't have time to constantly be in prayer. You say, well, of course not. I have a job. I have work. Well, I... But there are times in your life where you seek God for his anointing. You say, we're not going from this place. I'm not taking another step. I'm not moving. Acts 4.31 says, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. There's a desire. There's a thirst. There's earnest prayer. Look at Acts 8, verses 15 and following. The apostles are in Jerusalem. They heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God. They sent Peter and John to Samaria. Watch this. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter, you see, there seems to be something that moves past this whole idea of uh, the, the idea of 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 resident or recipient to president and participant. There's something even after salvation where we're saying, listen, I'm seeking God. I thought when I got saved, that was it. No, that's the beginning. And and we're working out our faith that they had not, because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They'd simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. See, God answers prayer. He's willing to answer prayer more than we're willing to pray. He's more willing to give than we are to receive. He's more willing to fill us than we are to be filled. He's more willing to anoint us with the Holy Spirit than we are willing to be anointed. Prayer is one thing that helps us be ready for his anointing. Prayer prepares our heart for his glorious power. Here's something else. Not only was there a desire and a thirst, not only was this prayer that was going up earnest prayer, earnest prayer, watch this, there was an expectant faith. Faith expectant faith everything we receive comes in response to faith it's 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 more than name it and claim it it's not presumptuous faith it's faith that matures and faith that brings a real experience look there's the filling of the holy spirit that comes with justification you're a recipient of it there's the anointing of the holy spirit that comes with sanctification you participate in it there's a difference many people never choose to participate with the power of god's holy spirit in their life and they stall out. And many times their lives are almost indistinguishable between people who are not even saved. You want an experience of that? Or an example of that? Look at the book of Corinthians. Not only is that true in the church, but the world is watching. An expectant faith. Jesus said, Terry, Stay in Jerusalem. It was more than a claim, claim of the anointing of the faith. It was to pursue the anointing of the Holy Spirit with expectant faith, believing faith. Some examples from Scripture. Epaphras labored fervently so that he could stand perfect and complete in the will of God. Elijah, 
another person who waited with expectant faith. He pleaded seven times until the cloud appeared. Expectant, preserving prayer. The cloud appeared. The early church was determined to get an answer, and they tarried in prayer. As you look at the great moves of God in revival, someone tarried, someone waited, someone wrestled, someone travailed until the answer came. Some of you have heard of what happened at Asbury. I've told you, I've been in Estes Chapel in the seminary numerous times, and um, I've been, been at the chapel at Asbury College um, numerous times. You know how that whole thing started? There was a guy that got up and preached, and <laughs> the great comfort and joy that I have as a preacher is, in my personal opinion, it wasn't a very good message. <laughs> it really wasn't. You don't know what comfort that gives my soul. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, you can talk through a donkey, right? Right? He's done it before, he'd do it again. But you know what happened? There were just a few, just a few students who decided they wanted to stay and wait. There was a desire and thirst. There was earnest prayer. There was an expectant faith that God would begin to move. Oh, for such a glorious result today. Would to God that we would be willing to participate in the blessing of God's Holy Spirit anointing. Oh, how great the need. We dare not attempt to work without His power. You want another comparison or a contrast with Ephesians 5? I mean, can you imagine me standing behind this pulpit with blurry eyes and mumbled speech and um, unable to stand because I was under the influence of alcohol? Can you imagine it? Here's the comparison and the contrast. It could be a greater sin to stand and preach or do ministry not full of the Holy Spirit than it would be to stand drunk and attempt the same. Lord, Lord, anoint me with your spirit. Fill me with your power divine. Take away the love of sinning. Make me holy. Holy thine. Lord, anoint me with your spirit as I wait and watch and pray. Grant a Pentecost from heaven. Send, oh, send him. Lord, today. I'm hungry for the fullness. I'm thirsting, Lord, for Thee. Fill, oh, fill me with Thy Spirit, holy Thine, I want to be. I'm praying, waiting, trusting for the power of Pentecost. 
Lord, anoint me with thy spirit. Send him now at any cost. Savior, cleanse and make me holy. Burn out every base desire. Fill me. Oh, fill me with thy spirit, Lord. Anoint and send the fire. Lo, he comes, the Holy Spirit. Now with joy, my soul is thrilled. Glory, glory, hallelujah. All my heart with love is filled. Worldly things no longer lure me. I am thine and thine alone. All I have is on the altar, and my heart is now thy throne. Let me say this thing, this one thing. It's the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Even rather, the fullness of the Spirit. Even rather than just the anointing. Blessings come and blessings go, but the fragrance remains. Special anointings are special indeed, but the fullness remains. Watch this. The glow may pass, but the flow never does. And it's the flow of the Holy Spirit that we live and work. It is our everyday experience. For example, Paul was caught up in a heavenly vision. He heard some unspeakable things. In fact, he said, I don't have words to even describe what I'm seeing and experiencing. But you know, that wasn't his normal everyday activity. He worked to share the gospel among the Gentiles, and while he did, he experienced a lot of hardships. He was imprisoned, he was beaten, shipwrecked, maligned, rejected, abandoned, and at all, he knew the fullness of the Spirit. The purpose, the anointing, has to be clearly in our minds. The purpose of the anointing of the Holy Spirit with power is so that you and I can be witnesses. That's the supreme result. The objective of witnessing is also the salvation of souls. We'll see how that works together in just a minute. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, to the very end of the world. You shall be witnesses. It was display, on display, in their passion for the lost, their burden for souls. It was the result of a love for God and a love for others. And that has characterized those who are anointed with the Holy Spirit, a burden for souls. John Knox cried out, he said, oh God, give me Scotland or I'd die. John Wesley said, you have nothing to do but to save souls. D.L. Moody, under the anointing of God, said, the world has yet to see what God can do through one man wholly surrendered to him. General Booth, the Salvation Army, knew the, herb, the burden, and from London slums, he sought sinners and brought them to Christ. John Smith stained the floor of his room with tears over lost souls. Edward Payson wore the floor of his room out with his knees where he prayed for the lost. The, the burden of souls is, is evident in the Apostle Paul's life, in Whitfield's life, a host of others who had the zeal of God's anointing, and they prayed for the lost. I fear if we don't have a love for the lost and a longing desire to see them come to Christ, then we are missing out on the anointing of God's Holy Spirit. Four evidences of the anointing of God's Holy Spirit. Here they are. Victory over sin. Power in service. 
fruit of the Spirit. We've talked about all those things. Burden for souls. People who have the anointing of the Holy Spirit have a burden for souls. They love God and they love others. And, and, and because they know God's um, supreme desire is that all come to know Him, it's not God's will that any perish. And they would join with Him in ministry, in caring for lost people. In fact, it doesn't matter, listen to this, it doesn't matter what gift of the Spirit you've received. If, if, you, don't have, if you don't have the evidence of the anointing of God's Holy Spirit in your life, then those other gifts just fade into insignificance. So many times there's an emphasis on these gifts of the Spirit and the anointing and the gifts that, you know, that, that often are empowered throughout. Look, without the evidence of the anointing of the Holy Spirit, victory over sin, service, and, and, and fruit of the Spirit, and loss for loved ones, it doesn't matter what your gift is. It's more than a spiritual gift you've been given, more than a physical moment, something that special happened. It's not merely a thrilling experience. And can I just talk to some folks maybe who have experienced this at some point and say, listen, I understand what you're talking about, you know, Brother Dan, that's, that's good. Victory over sin, power of spirit, fruit of the Spirit, burden for souls. Do you still have it? Do you still have it? Um, when is the last time that you shed a tear over someone who was lost? When's the last time you lifted a finger to do anything about it? When was it so burdened for a soul that, that you were compelled, no matter what somebody else thought of you, that so full of the Spirit of God, under the anointing of God, full of the fruit of the Spirit, you ventured into service to be a witness. It is the anointing of God that we need. It's what keeps us side up in an otherwise upside down world. I'm going to invite the team to come. They're going to lead us in our last song. I read an article some time ago written by an airplane pilot. He was um, telling a story of how when he first was learning to fly. This, this airplane pilot had a PhD in astrophysics and he was retired from the United States Air Force but when he was first getting his pilot's license the owner of the flight school told him a story from his younger days he told him how he was in an airplane flying to Dallas in some cloudy weather and it was dusk as he looked down at his instruments they were telling him that he wasn't flying straight, nor was he flying level. He looked out the window, and because he was in the clouds, he had no point of reference and no visuals to help him out. His mind was telling him he was straight and level. 
So going against every instinct in his body, everything that his mind was telling him, he trusted his instruments. And he maneuvered the plane back to where his instruments were saying he was now straight and level, even though his inner ear was saying anything but that. Once he popped out of the clouds, he got a visual reference. The horizon confirmed his instruments were correct. They were correct. And that's why new pilots, student pilots, learn correcting unusual attitude, altitudes with foggles in training because your body can essentially lie to you. Look, here's my point. The flight plan of our faith is God's Word. We receive the Word. Christ is the living Word. We put our faith in Christ and what He has said. That's the flight plan. We are the recipients of God's Word, the, the gospel that saves us, that leads us to follow Christ and leads us to follow others. That is the flight plan. The flight plan of our faith is God's Word. The instruments of our faith is the anointing of God's Holy Spirit. He is the way we're also participants in God's Word. Those together are what keep us right side up in an otherwise upside down world. I want to conclude what I'm, I have said over these last weeks in an attempt to prepare you for Sunday when I believe God. to meet with us. I want you to hear these words from Ezekiel 37. The hand of the Lord was on me and he brought me out by his spirit. The spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. Ezekiel is testifying here. He led me back and forth among them and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley. Bones that were very dry. He asked me, son of man, can these bones live? I said, sovereign Lord, you alone know. And then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you. And will come, you will come to life, then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as it was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound. The bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them. But there was no breath in them. And then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come, breath from the four winds and breathe into those, these slain that they may live. And so I prophesied as he commanded me and breath entered them and they came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. These 
bones are the people of Summit Church. These bones are the church that will rise up in Niles. Churches that meet in different places on Sunday mornings are all the church. Our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. My people, I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. And I will put my spirit in you, and you will live. And I will settle you in your own land, and then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I have done it, declares the Lord. I want us to sing about the greatness of our God. Oh, praise the name of Jesus. So we're going to switch. Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise his name forevermore. We sang it earlier. We're going to sing it again. Heavenly Father, would you help us with hungry, thirsty hearts and minds, with earnest prayer, and with expectant faith to meet with you and you cause dry bones to live again. So live in us, fill us with your spirit, I pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this message from the Summit Church Podcast. Again, if you have questions, visit us at summitniles.com. Now go and be the church the world.